0: Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors with your host True Kirby. Hey, this is Luke Holmes. I am Morgan Wallen. I'm Riley Green. I'm Travis Denning. Hey, I'm Aaron Lewis. Hey, it's Luke Bryan. I'm Tim McGraw. What's up? This is Ian Muncey. Wyoming hooking and hunting
1: outdoors. It's Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors, and we are coming to the end of 2023, and we're bringing in the big hitters over at Game and Fish today to kind of wrap up a little bit of what's going on. And Janet Millick, who has joined us every week, is the public information specialist and the one that kind of bridges the gap between us and Game & Fish to direct us in the area that we need to go every week. And Janet, it's been a good 2023 and uh, looking good for 2024.
2: That's right, Drew. You know, um, one of the things that I want to continually remind people is, Oftentimes we think that we just manage fish in the summer and that we manage wildlife during hunting seasons. But in fact, you know, managing fish and game is a 12 month year round process. And so it is um, a lot that we continually deal with a lot of science behind it. A lot of people talking behind it, a lot of analyzing data. And so it really is kind of a, a fun, um, Fun place to be any time of the year. And so we brought in the supervisors from across the region today to talk about the things that have happened in 2023, kind of highlights and lowlights, and what we're looking for in 2024.
1: And what we're going to do is we're going to spread this over the next couple of weeks so that, you know, we don't overwhelm you with all the information. But yet uh, everybody will will kind of chime in to make it a, a year in review or a wrap-up show so that we can uh, make sure we get everything covered.
2: That's right. You know, um, I am one of the only people in Game and Fish that likes to hear myself talk and talk a lot. So sometimes we have to pull teeth to get these guys to say too much. So I thought getting them all in a room together might be more beneficial than just having them one on one. So hopefully it'll be fun. And, and again, as always, if people have questions, chime in and we'll get these guys um, on it and get you some answers.
1: So you have brought in today Matt Hahn, who is the fisheries supervisor, Justin Benfit, the wildlife management coordinator, Matt Pollack, who is the habitat and access coordinator, and then Brian Olson, the regional wildlife supervisor. So you really do have someone from every part of Game & Fish in the room today. And and I think we should just start at uh, one side and, and roll down. And, and I, I know that we're kind of wrapping up a lot of the hunting seasons, some of the late seasons are starting to open up. So let's start a little bit with the uh, the wildlife and the big game with uh, Ben and, and Olsen. And, and I know that you guys have, have had a, an interesting, busy year so far. I know the seasons have been a little different. But, uh, Justin, why don't you give us a little update? I know we talked to you just a, a couple of weeks ago about, you know, how we're looking so far in 2023.
2: I think, you know, first of all, Drew, just to step back before I let Justin babble, um, just a reminder of the roller coaster of the year that it has been for Wyoming Game and Fish across the state and within the Game and Fish when dealing with wildlife. And so we are ending this year on a high note. And we did start out, you know, talking to you a lot about snow depth and what was going on across the state. And so, you know, here in Casper, we're, we're glad to have Justin here to now babble about what he's seeing out in the field and report on how the season's going because a lot of wildlife is looking really good.
1: Well, yeah. Is it my turn to talk now?
2: Janet?
1: Yeah, just this one. Well, because she's the only one that likes to hear herself talk. She just proved it. So there we go. Whoa.
2: Well, I, maybe I should correct myself on that. It is actually Justin and I, nobody else. I feel like but, that was a yes.
1: self-fulfilling
3: prophecy.
2: It really
3: Drew. was. <laughs> and by the way, good memory on everyone's names and titles, Drew. It's pretty impressive.
1: I wrote it down. It's all good. Okay.
3: Well, hey, so, I mean, it's, you know, I guess if you were to sum up the year in review in a nutshell, it's kind of been more of the same. So, you know, we're, we're kind of in this limbo here, like we've talked about, you know, we came on the heels of a, of a tough winter we were certainly worried about the elevated winter losses in our big game herds in the Casper area you know it, it never came to the fruition thankfully that we thought maybe it would especially compared to parts of southern and western Wyoming where where big game winter losses were really catastrophic in some areas so so our, our animals here in the Casper area most of the Casper region came out of winter just fine but, you know, with our deer and antelope populations, we're at pretty low points in, in a lot of our herds around the region. We've been as low as we've been in really in recent memory. So we're in rebuild mode, like we've talked about, you know, so hunting season was really kind of no surprise. Hunters, you know, we, we cut so many darn licenses throughout the region that, um, uh, you know, with hunter numbers being as low as they were, those that were able to get licenses or headed out in the field, I think had a, had a pretty modest you know, um, marginally good hunting season, but by and large, you know, critter numbers are just down. Um, I would say, you know, elk hunters kind of did uh it fared, you know, about the usual. In some places, it's, it's a little tougher than normal with, with elk heading to private lands and, um, you know, a lack of access in some areas can complicate some elk hunting, but we've got lots of elk opportunity. And in some places, elk hunters actually did really, really well this year. So, You know, one of the other things that is worth mentioning, um, that is also born out of uh, a really good year of precipitation and forage production and that sort of thing is, is, uh, our game birds actually did really well this year. So anyway, and like we've talked in the past, you know, turkeys have done maybe too well in some places like in the city of Casper and that sort of thing, but turkeys, sage grouse had a really good hatch year and that sort of thing. And so, um, we're actually going to, we're starting to build some bird populations back too. So um, that's really it in a nutshell. You know, I think uh, it, the nice thing, to s- the really the, the other take-home message with Big Game is that this year was just a phenomenal moisture year everywhere. So our wildlife habitats have certainly been rejuvenated. Um, we saw our animals entering this winter in just absolutely excellent shape. We're predicting um, pretty good overwinter survival if if winter conditions, were you know, are somewhat moderate. Um, and uh, hopefully that'll lead to good fawn production, calf production next year, and we're going to start to rebound.
1: And, Justin, I know that we did talk a lot about the numbers really from the start last year. We talked to you in January and then a couple of months later, and we started out with high hopes and then as the spring came along, we got those big storms and everything, and it kind of, you know, the high hopes went down and down and down and down, and then we, you know, had that rough summer, or the rough numbers through the summer. But they're saying that this year it may be a lot milder and maybe not as much snow. So how can a winter like that affect the the herds and the sizes of the herds? Well,
3: it can really improve uh, – uh you know, when animals enter the winter in good nutritional condition, like they did this year. And then if you have a fairly mild or even a moderate winter where you have, you know, every year in Wyoming, we're going to lose some animals during the winter. That's just what happens. But if you have a, if they're in good shape in, in a fairly mild to moderate winter, we expect overwinter survival to be higher. So that goes for both the juveniles, you know, the fawns and calves born this year, but also the adults. And so, that, if you have a year of good overwinter survival, that can really go a long ways towards boosting population growth in the future. And that's what we, we're hoping we see, but I guess time will tell.
1: Uh, and Brian Olson also with us. And Brian, I know that you kind of monitor all the situations that go throughout the hunting seasons to kind of make sure that everybody is staying in line and, and, you know, doing things right. You're wearing one of those big red shirts. And uh, how are things looking... <laughs>
2: He's got to have the badge on it. The rest of us don't get the badge.
1: Right, the red shirt with the badge. Yeah. So uh, how are things looking as far as, you know, kind of how everybody moving along when it comes to, you know, they're doing the right things and being in the right places and hunting the right places throughout the year? Well, I, I don't think this
4: year is any different than other years, but I I did notice, and I, I don't know if Justin noticed the same thing as, It seemed like there was quite a few new hunters from other parts of the state and around Casper because we did have more licenses available here than other parts of the state, especially southern, southwestern, and western Wyoming. So we did have some new people here um, from Wyoming, but not used to being in the Casper area, you know, as hunters because they were able to draw here since we had more opportunities here. So, you know, we had some some issues with um, access, you know, walking areas, hunter management areas, since they don't have a lot of that where they are at. And um, actually, they enjoyed their hunt because there was access available to harvest critters. And, uh, you know, they might be more as in competing in future years to come to the central part of the state where we seem to have a few more critters. And I'm sure that'll be like that for a few more years as other parts of the state start to rebound. But I don't think this year is any different in the past. Certainly you have people that uh, make mistakes, which are things that happen, but, um, and then other people that are just, you know, stupid and um, make worse mistakes, but um, you know, things happen and uh, I don't think it's any worse, but it has been busy. Um, certainly it seemed a little bit slower at times, but um, as in for workloads and things like that, guys in the field calls and things like that, is as many this year as we've had in the past.
2: You know, Drew, one of the things that we often say when it does come to the law enforcement side of things is um, hunters are not poachers and poachers are not hunters. And I think that that's something pretty important to remember, that there is a difference. And so... You know, when a lot of these hunters are out making some of these mistakes that Brian is talking about, that's, you know, it just happens sometimes. Some of the things are kind of challenging. For example, residency, it's something we call a false oath, but making sure that you have, you know, the right amount of time that you have lived in Wyoming and that you can prove that and you're not claiming residency in other states and all of those things is such a big difference. Like, does that mean when you hunt? Does that mean when you apply to hunt? All of those little things that can be kind of tricky that, you know, folks unfortunately might end up with a ticket or a a citation or warning on. And um, it's just more of a matter of, Um, You know, some folks just didn't understand and didn't take the time to ask the questions or maybe, you know, they just didn't understand. But as a reminder, we are here to help answer some of those questions because, you know, um, I, I often get questions that I know this might shock the people sitting in this room that I don't know the answers to because it is super challenging. They're all laughing at me right now but um it is something that can be a challenge to understand our regulations so just as a reminder you know these folks are here to help answer questions call the office and ask and some of these citations that come through you know might not happen
1: so i I know brian that part of your job is to educate when you know law enforcement isn't just there to write tickets and do bad you know hurt people but to educate in situations so if someone's doing something wrong, your job is basically to tell them you're doing it wrong and here's what you should have done. And education is one of the the things that we talk about a lot on, on this program because there's good times throughout the year to become and get your kids and families involved with education. And and I know that nobody who starts the day out puts on their badge and leaves the house to ruin somebody's day. And, and I know that that you guys work hard not to ruin people's day.
4: You know, I mean, a lot of people are, you know, think that that's what we're out there just to do is to find criminals, but that's not what we're there. We're there out there to help folks, you know, be successful and uh, want them to continue to be successful, not only with themselves, but also their families. We want them to participate in the outdoors, uh, residents and non-residents. And like I say, most of them are just, you know, mistakes that people make um, that, you know, all of us have run into in our lives. So it's a majority... Of the stuff that we run into in the field is very minor violations. A lot of them don't, you know, they don't have you know uh, citations. They'll give them warnings, but it's a case by case basis on what's going on in the field with the game board and in dealing with those folks. But certainly, it's an education process year round, and you know, getting involved in the outdoors. Um, if you're new to it, that's why it's so important to ask if you have questions on things because there's so much to learn um, when you're outdoors hunting and stuff like that. And it takes time to learn everything. And, and most of us never learn everything when it comes to hunting outdoors. So it's one of those things is if you ask us, we'll help you out. And, and another opportunity for, uh, plug in hunter safety and, and taking your kids to hunter safety and do it as a family and, uh, do it together. And you can help each other in the field that
1: way, um, to do the right things and at least, uh, enjoy yourself when you're out there. And I know that one of the most, I would say, confusing parts for a hunter is the access. Because there's public access, there's, you know, the HMAs, there are all the things you need a permit for, you don't need a permit for. But, I mean, it really comes down to the, if you're not paying attention, you could be really messing up.
4: Yeah, I mean, a lot of people, most hunters that we deal with in the field have ONX or some other form of um, tracking on their phone so they know if they're on public or private land. And there is, in certain parts of the state, there's a lot of access available, uh, public land access, but also our, you know, our Access Yes program, which is walking areas, hunter management areas, and then our properties that the department owns, our wildlife habitat management areas and our other public access areas for people to use. And there's just a lot out there. And if you're new to hunting, it just is really important to come and talk to us in the, you know, at the office or your local game warden or biologist, because that's what they're there for, to help you be successful in finding those locations where you can actually be successful at hunting and uh, for yourself or your whole family. So please, um, we're we're here to help you out and uh, make your, your, your first hunt or your hunts every year to be enjoyable and successful.
1: Very good. As always, Game and Fish, thank you guys so much. And tune in again next week. We will have more about a year in review with Wyoming Game and Fish Department. Stick around in just a few minutes. We're talking with Brian from Rocky Mountain Discount Sports. It's Wyoming
0: hooking and hunting outdoors.
1: It's Drew and Brian Woodward from Rocky Mountain Discount Sports. And Brian, this winter has been a, a weird winter so far. We got really cold for a while, and then we got really mild for a while, and I'm sure we're about to hit back into the cold section.
5: Yeah, it's kind of looking like we're going to get a big storm, and then maybe a couple weeks of, uh, you know, Easy living, and then another big storm, and uh, you know, maybe the weather's not gonna be so bad. But uh, every time we get that storm, it just uh, brings people in looking for boots and hats and gloves.
1: You know, it, it's really interesting because we talk about being prepared a lot, and you and I went up Elkhunning not long ago, and we were over prepared because the weather ended up being a really nice, but then we got out and it was windy and and chilly. And luckily, we were prepared enough to to be ready to go for that. But when people are coming in, and they're like, Okay, what am I going to buy my husband for Christmas? Or what about my son? Or my daughter loves to get outdoors? What do I do for her?
5: Yeah, I mean, there's just a ton of different stuff. And if you, you know, kind of just listen to people and see, you know, kind of what their needs are. And You know, it's really easy to think of like in the moment about, you know, hey, well, I need a new pair of binoculars because we just went deer hunting and, you know, maybe I scratched them or whatever the case is. But, you know, there's a lot of things that we do in the summer months that we kind of forget about during the winter months. And, you know, maybe it's just a new sleeping bag or maybe upgrade a tent or, you know, a new fishing pole, rod and reel, whatever the case is. So, you know, we've got pretty much, you know, gear to cover every season. And even though it's just Christmas and it's in the wintertime, you know, don't forget about those summer sports or summer activities that uh you know your loved ones are doing
1: you know i I think about the trekking poles which you guys have a whole wall of trekking poles and even snowshoes and like you said you know you think about the future of what's going on uh, you know around your family and then you think in the moment too because we're going to get cold eventually it's going to be cold there's no Mm -hmm. doubt about it and you guys carry a line of buddy heaters and you know all the different items to keep yourself warm
5: yeah. I mean, winter is going to be here. It just, it just hasn't failed us for the last, you know, hundred years. So, um, it's going to be a time where it's going to be windy. It's going to be cold. You're going to want to be layered up. You're going to want to have a, the right pair of gloves. You're going to have, want to have, you know, the right jacket. Um, so, We've got a ton of that stuff. And maybe you don't necessarily know what style of gloves or hats. You know, we've got a pretty good return policy. But, you know, there's always the 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 chance to just, you know, get them a gift card so they can pick the gift that they want.
1: One thing that I remember about Rocky Mountain Discount Sports, and one of the great parts is you have a layaway department. You have a section mm-hmm. where somebody can come in, even if it's a, a rifle or a firearm, and they want to wait and get it for Christmas or maybe even a box of ammo. You can put that on layaway now And then pay on it gradually until Christmas gets here.
5: Yeah, we still got four weeks left, really, pretty much four weeks left before Christmas. So, you know, there's still time. You know, you can, you know, put 20% down now and, you know, kind of budget yourself for the next three weeks and uh, make sure that you get that gift that you you want to give them.
1: When we talk about, you know, going out and, you know, the boot situation about a lot of – um, are you going to hike out or are you going to ride out? Or are you going to be out? I mean, you got to have a boot for every situation. So really you got to be prepared to go out. And if you know, you're hunting elsewhere, like we did up in area 48, where the weather was totally opposite of what it was here in, in Casper, being prepared for, for that walking situation is something too.
5: Yeah, you know, I I wasn't really quite expecting it to be as cold as it was up there. I should have known. I mean, it's Wyoming, and but yeah. that wind that morning was super bitter. So, fortunately, I think we were all layered up just just right. So we you know were able to take some clothes off as the day warmed up, and as we you know started you know harvesting our animals and doing a little hiking, we could we could scale down. So definitely, uh, you know, layering up is is important for for this
1: time of year so maybe christmas day the family gets together and they like to go out and they like to shoot rabbits or you know shoot skeet or whatever like that how's the ammo looking at this point
5: ammo's looking really good right now in fact um we're probably in the best shape we've been in for ammo in the last two and a half years maybe even three years uh since uh pre-covid stuff so you know it's a good time to stock up and make sure that if you burned up a a box of ammo during hunting season you know maybe you, you used five or six shots you know sighting in maybe another five or two or three whatever it was during the season you know now's a good time to um restock that and it makes a, a heck of a stocking stuffer
1: and you know what else makes a good stocking stuffer is a gift card from Rocky Mountain Discount Sports because then you let the hunter the outdoorsman and your family go out and get, get what they need
5: yeah you know gift cards always kind of seem like oh geez there's not a whole lot of thought involved in that but you know at the same time you know if you buy a pair of binoculars that don't quite fit their need you know that doesn't help them either so you know giving them a, a gift card and you know maybe that gift card is just enough for them to get a layaway start. It after Christmas. They've been looking for a certain gun, and maybe you gave them a $50 gift card, and that's just enough to kind of get them started. Uh, gives them something that they can uh you know work on for the for the next couple months.
1: Get in and check out all the great deals they've got right now at Rocky Mountain Discount Sports and really consider the gift cards and layaway.
0: It's Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors. It's Drew and Brian, back
1: for Rocky Mountain Discount Sports. And uh, Brian, you and I have done uh, quite a bit of hunting since I got here a couple of years ago, and you were kind enough to take me out and introduce me to a, a bunch of folks. And one of the guys that that uh, does a lot of hunting with you is kind of the, the uh, guru of birds. That's what he likes to call himself. <laughs> yeah. No? no, Wiley? No? Not
0: hardly. No?
1: Wiley King joining us this week, and... Uh, and Wiley, thanks for coming on and, and uh, hanging out with us here a little bit. And I know, you know, Brian and I have hunted with you a little bit over the last couple of years, but you've been doing hunting in Wyoming your whole life.
6: Yeah, yeah. It's been interesting growing up here and getting to do all of it in some form or fashion
1: you go up and do some elk hunts and deer hunts outside of our general area and you go up to the Dubois area and you guys have hunt camps up there so I mean you kind of get the the run the gamut on where you're hunting
6: yeah I started doing that six or eight years ago and it's just been a lot of fun every year's a little different it's always a different challenge with the weather or grizzly bears or sometimes there's a ton of game and sometimes there's seems like it's a dead zone but
5: does it hunt uh, that particular part of the country does it hunt a lot different than you know the casper region area is it more trees or does it uh, tend to be more like open open ground like we've got around here yeah i
6: mean there's a lot of trees so but that's not a lot of different than muddy mountain green mountain sure ferris mountain but we don't there's not so much sagebrush like we have right around casper gotcha
1: When you shoot uh, an elk in an area like that, you know, Brian and I hunted in Area 48 and there was a lot of sage, and you go up there, are you tasting a difference than you do when you go on Money Mountain?
6: I don't know that I could pick one stake over the other. I have had very good luck with the quality of game up there, mule deer and elk alike. Seems like those high country critters do to eat very well
5: now with the uh with the threat of bears and stuff in the area do you have to kind of change your strategy on how you're hunting up there i don't
6: particularly change how i'm hunting but it's what you do after you harvest something
0: sure
6: um if you have to leave something in the hills overnight it's dang sure high alert mm-hmm. going back in to retrieve the meat everything's hung up in trees all your food's hung up in trees camping and it, that part of it is different but as far as the day-to-day hunting it we really just kind of Stay aware and do our normal stuff.
1: Right. How's the environment when you're at camp? I mean, because it's a little different. You're not going in like a, a mile walk. You guys are really packing in there.
6: Yeah. And sometimes we do trailhead camp, and that's always kind of fun. You can bring all the good food and drinks that you want to have. So it's not the backpacking hunt. But when we go in on horses, um, usually it's just one or two of us or extra people. So three total, maybe. Go light, and definitely a different experience. and
5: you're not you're not packing in like wall tents and that kind of stuff. Not generally.
6: We do have some lighter tents that have stoves in them, but mm-hmm. a lot of times we just sleep on the ground and maybe bring one little fly to in case it does rain or snow. We're kind of time limited, so a lot of times it's in and out 3-4 days tops, just in between work and Still trying to do the backcountry thing, but limited on time.
1: Uh, One of the things we also talk about a lot here is is bird hunting, because that's where, you know, Brian and I have hunted a lot, we fish a lot, and and I know you and your brother and your dad, you guys, the whole family does a lot of bird hunting, and what uh, what kind of, like, insight do you want to give folks on, on your bird hunting experience? I know you do a lot of it. As far as insight
6: goes, I don't know if I have a lot. You just got to go. <laughs> yeah. we, we always can kind of have a running joke about moving the decoys, you know, because they're never set perfect the first time. You learn a little something every time you go. Sometimes you have a brilliant idea and it works, and sometimes it doesn't. Hopefully we get some birds to hunt this year. Right now it's a little grim, but I think they're coming.
5: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of factors, right? I mean, you've got, you know, a certain amount of birds, and then if you don't have any wind, and then if you don't, you know, depending on the sun, if it's, you know, if, in your eyes and you know sometimes you might want to side shoot them so then you got to change you know even decoy you know not just decoys but you know the whole layout spread you know has to be readjusted and you know sometimes we get it right sometimes we don't you know sometimes it just gives us an opportunity to get up and stretch our legs and you know maybe warm our feet up a little bit but even though you might have been doing the same thing repeatedly with the same conditions every time the birds are going to act a little differently each each time you know and You know, whether it's goose hunting or duck hunting and we don't get on each other when someone wants to move decoys. We're like, all right, give it a shot. See what happens, you know. And, you know, when you find a group of guys that you can all work together and not question each other going, well, that's a dumb idea. And don't, you know, well, you shouldn't put that over there. Eventually you figure it out.
1: Well, and that's kind of one of the things, too, that a lot of people don't. Understand is there really kind of is a science to it because you make those adjustments on the fly of what's happening. So if the wind all of a sudden shifts on you, you've got to be able to move those decoys Mm -hmm. and get them in the right position so that you're in the right position for when the birds come in.
5: Yeah, you know we've kind of struggled and uh, we've we've been on some fields that aren't necessarily all flat. You know, so we might be hunting kind of towards the side of a hill, and you know the birds might short us or they might end up on the top side of the hill or maybe they end up on the bottom side. So you know, it's kind of a matter of, well, how are we going to get these birds to land where we want them to? You know, they landed short this time, so let's open up this pocket up here and maybe they'll, maybe we'll drag them up a little bit further so everybody gets a shot. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. You know, I mean, it's the thrill of the hunt. We've been fortunate to have some really good days in the field and uh, it, it's worked out successfully for us. But we've had just as many, you know, bad hunts. A lot of guys, even like with, you know, with especially with social media, right, they're like, oh, man, I saw you got this really big fish, right? And I'm like, yeah, but do you know how many days I was out that it took me to get that and big catch. fish? Right. So they're not always successful hunts, you know I mean? We take a lot of people out that, you know, we're trying to give them opportunities to, to be successful. And even with all their knowledge, it doesn't mean that the animals
1: are going to cooperate. Wiley, I know that, that it's a family thing with you. You know, you, your brother and your dad will all go. And, and I'm sure that... Mm. You know, it's been passed down from generation to generation on how to hunt the, the Wyoming terrain. Absolutely.
6: But, again, it's just every day is a learning curve. And even think for a second that you got something figured out when it comes to hunting wild game would be silly. Because we, right. we, we get, get schooled there, you know, every year one time or another. And they can sure humble a guy pretty quick.
1: Which is one of the great things about hunting. Because when I was a kid, my dad said, if you never get buck fever when you see a big buck coming from you you probably don't need to hunt anymore because you're over it you know and i know and i'm from experience with you guys that you still get the buck fever duck fever goose fever and and that's kind of the the best part about it
6: oh yeah especially hunting with the family they better be on their game if they want to beat me out of the (laughs) line
1: (laughs) <laughs> well, I, I'll tell you that it's, it's cool to be able to get out and, and hunt here in Wyoming. And if you don't get that opportunity, ask somebody. Because if you know any hunters, they're going to take you out and they're going to, to put you under their wing. So get out and, and do that. And make sure before you get out there that you're prepared by coming in here at Rocky Mountain Discount Sports. It's
0: Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors.
1: It's drew back on Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors and you know we've had a really good relationship over the last couple of years with the mule deer Foundation of Wyoming and Sean Blazak is uh, the regional representative here and uh, Sean we appreciate you coming on and always love hearing about how mule deer are are, uh, are being treated and and uh, moving along here in Wyoming
0: yeah, we appreciate being on. We like the way you guys care about the animals here in Wyoming and you know, we're always out here to try to help pr- protect our wildlife and conserve mule deer. One
1: thing that I've been watching quite a little bit and I know you guys have been sharing this on your uh Mule Deer Foundation of Wyoming Facebook page is a mule deer migration for, you know, the last year or so. You kind of been following along and it's kind of interesting to Watch and see how these deer move throughout Wyoming.
0: Yeah, it is really cool to see. The Wyoming migration Initiative, actually, migration Initiative actually takes the lead on that. and They do a great job. They got a bunch of, like, new, better collars on these animals, including one that has video and stuff. So we get a bunch of cool footage, and we get to see where those animals are moving. And they're in one of our major, you know, migration corridors, which there are several throughout the state. So it's nice to see where they move so we can know which which habitat to protect, which barriers we need to help remove, like fences or, you know, roadway barriers where we can help animals cross those easier. So those type of studies are great to know so you can protect mule deer better for the future because if you don't know where they're going, you can't really protect the crucial habitats they need.
1: Which is what Mule Deer Foundation, what you guys do? You're the the boots-on-the-ground organization, one of them that – goes through and and does all these projects and, you know, the fencing projects. Is that probably one of the, the biggest things you guys work on throughout the year or making sure fences are up or down in certain cases?
0: It's definitely one of those important things we do. I would say our biggest thing would probably be habitat, and then fencing and roadways would come very close to the same level. So we try to work on everything equally. Knowing that, you know, fences are required for appropriate livestock grazing, too, which is actually, you know, crucial for mule deer as well. When, you know, ranchers graze appropriately, it actually can be good for the habitat. So, you know, fences are required to do that. So we just try to make sure they're wildlife friendly. And, yeah, that's one of those things we definitely work on. And, you know, we appreciate all the help we get from all the other agencies that also work on those type of things.
1: You know, I've noticed a lot of fencing lately has been looking a little bit different, where it almost looks like it's double-layered fence. It's, like, too high almost, um, or two fences high anyway. And is that to better keep the deer, like, off the roads and and out of those areas or, you know, just kind of moving them around a different area?
0: Yeah, when you see those fences along a roadway, those are exclusionary fences, and those are meant to provide deer no way to get through. And you'll notice as you're driving down the road, you'll either see an underpass here and there for those deer to get through an overpass. And then you'll also see what like an escape area for deer. So it looks like a mound's built up and there's like two little like wood um, gates to go through like openings. And that's so if a deer somehow gets on the road, it still has a way to get back out of there. But it's sort of a one way gate. Um, to try to keep deer off the road. But those double high ones are definitely exclusionary fences, and those are intentional to keep those deer from getting hit on the road and sort of funnel them through spots that we designate for them to cross. That way they can, you know, be safer and keep, you know, all the people on the road safer and their vehicles safer as well.
1: And keep the mule deer, you know, wild and keep them, keep them from from perishing out there on the road, and, you know, and and go to waste, really.
0: Yeah, and those fences do a great job of that, and they help with elk and antelope and everything else as well. So, you know, we don't want to have to fence in all the roads, but we know where there's, you know, spots where lots of animals are getting hit, and that's when we put those exclusionary fences up because we're trying to, you know, save the public and mule deer.
1: When it comes to studies to really focus, I know you were we were talking about the migration of mule deer i mean what are some of the other ways that you guys study to see what the the pathways are like for deer in wyoming
0: uh the pathways it's a lot of collaring is one of the biggest things that you know just years and years of boots on the ground with wyoming game and fish with their game wardens or biologists you know they have a lot of knowledge just because they spend a lot of time out there on the ground so that actually really assists with which areas you need to collar deer and you know, any other wildlife because they can tell you, you know, like this is where they're going every winter, you know, because they're there, they see it. So that kind of stuff is actually very, very beneficial. And it, you know, takes a lot longer, but it's probably just as beneficial as collars to some degree.
1: We have seen the decline in mule deer. You know, obviously it's been a a worry for a lot of folks, especially in certain parts of the state where... You know, the numbers seem to be very, very low in some parts, but then in some parts they seem to be uh, doing just fine. And Do you notice anywhere in the state where it looks like uh, maybe the mule deer population is going to come back stronger than they were?
0: Um, it It all depends on what happens during these winters. I mean, that's what took some of those populations down last year was that very harsh winter we had. And we're hoping this year it'll be a normal winter or a mild winter. Um, especially in those areas that were really hit last year. So it was sort of that L around the outside of the state from sort of south of Jackson down to Rock Springs and then just sort of across that I-80 corridor to all about Elk Mountain or so. Um, That general area is where they got really hammered last year with winter. But, you know, with the summer we had, I mean, everything should have done really well as far as the animals that were still alive and well on the ground had plenty of forage. So they should have went into this winter in very good condition because they had plenty of forage to eat because it was as you know a much cooler wetter summer than most I mean heck up here where I'm at it was green almost through August which usually a great year means it's green through fourth of July and I don't know if I've ever seen it green that late in the year so
1: yeah i not heard many people say that uh, they can't remember the last time that they saw Casper Mountain so green through so much of the year so uh, that definitely is a, a promising thought and all the work that's being done to can you know for the conservation part of it and the habitat is is working and paying off you know and you can see that with you know the populations coming back hopefully stronger than ever. But you guys do a lot of things all year long uh, to make sure that there's money to be able to go out and do these kind of projects. And I know one thing that you've done is you've worked with Wyoming whiskey and you've worked with some of the other alcohol. Uh, distributors and and stuff here in the state. And you guys just launched another new uh, beverage.
0: Yeah, we launched a Mule Deer German Pilsner, and that was made by Wild West Brewing Company here out of Cody and Powell. And they're going to actually distribute that statewide in cans, so you should be able to find it at your local distributor here. Probably the middle of the month is when they're going to start distributing that. So it's a really good you know just clean lagered beer. so most people should enjoy it and know that you know each time you drink one a portion of those proceeds are going to mule deer foundation and we actually would like to thank all the people that you know contributed so you can look on our facebook and see there was you know hops people grain people everyone donated some to make sure we can make some good money on this project and hopefully it does really well it's got a cool logo cool can you'll see it out on the shelves it should be hunter's orange so It'll be pretty awesome.
1: Yeah, you won't be able to miss that one, that's for sure, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah, plus it's got a big drop time mule deer with sort of a hop for a head on it. So you'll see the logo out there. I'll I'll get some stuff up, and we'll have some merch out there, too, for it. It's just a cool project. And, you know, Wild West Brewing Company is doing a great job for us, and they're making sure we make a good chunk of money so we can actually get money on the ground for mule deer. Because one of the primary reasons we do all this habitat work is these lanterns, we can have the habitat great for all year round. we will go in the winter in the best shape possible, so you know their chances to make it through winter are much higher.
1: That's awesome, and I love seeing. You know, I, we talk about Mule Deer Foundation, but there's all kinds of different foundations and organizations that come together because it's not just working solo. Everybody works together, and and you talked a little bit about game and fish earlier, and. And I know every time we talk to Game and Fish, they always want to remind folks that uh, feeding deer is, is not a good idea, especially if you're in town and, and you know, get those deer to be complacent on being fed. Then that causes an issue.
0: Yeah, and it does cause an issue, especially, I mean, as all you've heard, there's CWD out there. There's other diseases like adenovirus and other diseases deer can get. And when you start to feed them, you're concentrating them in a small area. And it's just like any other disease, they spread through, you know, feces, saliva, all that stuff. Well, if you're concentrating them all in one area, it's a lot easier for it to spread. And honestly, if you start feeding deer real late in the season, they could die with a full stomach because deer's guts, their ruminants, they depend on the microbes in their guts to digest the food. And if they switch foods abruptly, those microbes can't adapt quick enough or get changed quick enough to absorb that food. So that's one of those big things we don't want to have happen is you know feeding real late in the season like that can also hurt them as well.
1: So I I, it's always a good idea and if you have questions I mean you can reach out to to Sean or uh, you know anyone by hitting them up on their uh, Facebook page and especially in the the mule deer world if if you have questions if you have some hanging around your place and you need to figure out what to do that's a great way to to learn the proper way to do that and we're about to wrap up 2023, Sean. How is 2024 uh, panning out as far as projects and and banquets and, and a bunch of fun stuff?
0: And a lot of projects slow down during the winter, but then it becomes our season to raise those funds to get those projects done, done in the future. So one of our first banquets is actually Casper on January 27th, and we will actually have that mule deer beer there on tap. So that'll be a good event um it'll be out there at the hangar actually in bar none just outside of casper so it'll be a fun time but if you need tickets you can always go to muledeerorg slash wyoming and we'll have a link up there in probably the next week to get tickets there um and yeah it'll be a fun time and if you have any need for more information you can always look me up too on our website at the same address and we'll get you hooked up with tickets or tables or if you want to sponsor something let us know
1: awesome well it's all good times to help out the mule deer foundation of wyoming hit them up on their facebook page and then uh, like sean said get them on the website there and uh, sean's always good talking to you and, and i love that things are looking up right now for mule deer
0: yeah same here and i wanted to put a quick push out there for the game warden since i'm a former game warden and a member of theirs and they always are needing more and more game wardens. So if you're a kid out there looking at a good career, it's a great career to have. And, you know, you can always reach out to me or any of the other game wardens, and they'll, you know, let you know how that career goes. And I know they're actually currently looking for some new game wardens. So, you know, Game & Fish is a great place to work for. So keep that option open if you're a, you know, a student in high school or college right now, or if you're getting out of college with a wildlife degree, that's a great job to have. Very
1: good. Sean Blazak from the Mule Deer Foundation, we thank you much and we'll talk to you very soon.
0: All right, have a good one. Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors with Drew Kirby. If you have a question, want to make a comment, or have an idea for a show topic, message us on the My Country mobile app. Wyoming Hooking and Hunting
6: Outdoors.